0: Thank you for downloading this sermon from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website at www.trinityspartanburg.com. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to turn to John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8 verse 12 this is the word of the Lord then Jesus again spoke to them saying I am the light of the world he who follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life this is the word of the Lord let's pray father we thank you for your word we thank you that you have promised to nourish and feed your people upon your word, that it is eternally true, that it is always, always factual, that it is, Father, that it is uh, for our building up. And so we ask that this, this passage, Father, would build us up today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now... I skipped over John 8, 1 through 11, which was our next passage. And that's not because I, I intend to skip over it. Um, there is some question about the authenticity of that passage, uh, that the woman caught in adultery. Some early manuscripts don't contain that. And so there's some dispute about whether or not it should be there or shouldn't be there in Scripture. I will come back to it and I will preach through that passage, but I wanted to preach a more properly Christmas sermon. And so that's why I went to verse 12 and, uh, and picked that up. It seemed uh, the right place for us to be this morning. So um, that's a little bit of an explanation there. But this passage has to do with light. And when I've gone through seasons of depression, anxiety, even the setting of the sun at the end of the day is a uh, panic-inducing sort of experience. Just the setting of the sun, just the, the, the sun going away and the darkness rising is, can cause anxious thoughts to multiply within me. I don't think I'm unique to that. I think when we struggle, the nighttime becomes difficult for us, that absence of light. You think about the darkness that we're surrounded by in this world. Our 24-hour news channels flood us daily with the next cataclysm. Every, every, uh, the sky is falling every day on a 24-hour news cycle. Right from vaccine-resistant variants, right to to vaccine um, side effects, right to society's crumbling morals, or or it may be more depressing to, to hear pundits talk about the ascending virtues of our society. Um, the the coming recession that's inevitably going to hit, or depression. Right? To the, to the dying earth. Earth is dying. And we're not going to have a place to be able to breathe air. Uh, increasing violence in our cities. Drug addictions that ravage whole communities. Um, rumors of war with Russia. Rumors of war with China. And um, there's a decaying intellectual foundation in our universities and colleges. On and on and on, alerts are raised for the end of the world every day. Everybody's fearful. If we fed, if, if we fed on apocalyptic prognostications, we would all be grossly obese because we're surrounded by them continuously. And we ingest them all the time. And we take them very seriously. We think there are many prophets in this world. Right? Our joints ache. Our joints ache. Our teeth rot. Our muscles atrophy, right? Our our double chins go for three. We get the pukes. (laughs) We get infections. We get COVID. We get pneumonia. We have high blood pressure, right? Tumors grow in us unawares. Billions of children have been torn apart or poisoned in their mother's wombs by abortion, chemical, and medical. Virtually every nation in the world has filled the the streets of her cities with the blood of of babies. The church turns a blind eye to her own complicity in that. There's theft. There's embezzlement. There's kidnapping. There's murders. There's rape. There's sex trafficking. On top of that, we, every day we struggle with the darkness of our own flesh. Right? The remaining corruption in us, even after we've been regenerated, continually under attack by our own flesh. We some days are, are even tempted like Esau was. We'd sell our Christian birthright just for a, an hour of pleasure. There are tensions in our families. We sin against our children. Our children sin against us. We yell at each other. We get our feelings hurt and then bear grudges for years and years against other people. Spouses live in constant annoyance with one another. Right? We want things to change in our relationships, but we're even too proud to discuss what we think needs to change and certainly too proud to make the changes ourselves. Extended family can never get together without the whole day being colored by past hurts and unforgiveness and those, those sins that linger. We take, we, we go from offense to offense. We just go through all of our days taking offense. Lust makes us like animals. Greed leads to envy and idolatry. Our minds are set on the things of the earth rather than on you know and the things of God have have largely left us bored. I mean honestly, I just don't want to deal with with... I want to deal with reality, okay? And knowing my own heart, there are times when I get bored with Scripture. I get bored with the routine. Our minds, I mean, based upon the balance of time we spend on things, we are clearly far more interested in celebrity gossip or five-second TikTok videos than we are in the God who created all things in the universe. That's simply on the basis of the time spent in those things. We're ungrateful, we are proud. Even when we are convicted of our sins, we find it a drag to repent. We get convicted and we begin to repent and then we just, we're bored with repentance. It's just too much work, we're lazy, we just stop our repentance even. We can't even repent right. We're double-minded, and no one else in this whole world knows us at all. We all have hidden sins. Instead of being strangers and aliens in this world, we boast of our citizenship in uh, the boisterous city of Vanity Fair, right? Right? You've read Pilgrim's Progress. We seem to be content with what Vanity Fair is offering us as long as we can have a bit of personal autonomy and some kind of superficial religion now and then. Just go through the paces each week. Honestly, I think my life would be more affected by the removal of my internet access than the removal of my Bible access. Access. It would be harder for me to go through that right now than it would be to go through removal of Scripture. How about you? There is raging and unkindness and discontentment and petty jealousy and rivalry and resentment and suffering everywhere we look in this world. Every time we turn around, there's death Pets die, parents die, spouses die, children die. And truly when we stop and think about this world and, and we are thinking in some sense spiritually, we, we, we vomit when we hear that most awful song of, of Louis Armstrong. Right, You know the one I'm talking about? What a wonderful world. I see trees of green, red roses. I mean, no, it's not like that, Louis. Solomon's harsh take on this world makes more sense to us. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Or we're more inclined to to take up the uh, verse of Job's song, the one... Remember that Job sang about his birthday? His birthday party song? It goes like this, May that day be darkness. Let not God above care for it, nor light shine on it. Or perhaps the song we sing as our lament about the darkness of the world uh, would be those words we use in our funeral services. Man that is born of a woman has but a short time to live and is full of of misery. Misery. The world is filled with darkness. The world is covered in darkness. The world is darkness. Our hearts are filled with darkness the wickedness of man's heart knows no bounds at all in adam's fall we sinned all and the world has just been a cacophony a, a ugly symphony since adam's fall right sin has ravaged every man the pervasive darkness of this world is the bad fruit of sin now try to hear the verse I'm about to read in Not in a systematic theology sort of, you know, doesn't mean anything to me way. But hear it, feeling the shame of sins you have committed even today. Hear it as as current, you know, as a currently sinning participant in the first man Adam's sin. The apostle Paul wrote, "Through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin." And so death spread to all men because all sinned. That's reality. That's where we live. That's the world we live in. Death and darkness. Death and darkness. If we took a moment to step outside of Vanity Fair... We might recognize that, right? If we stepped away from the things that we use to, to drunken us and make us not see the world as it is. Even now, our temptation is to, to hear the pastor and, and sort of laugh and dismiss him as a cosmic downer because the world has trained you to be allergic to this sort of negativity. You know, what a wonderful world. Wasn't that 52nd TikTok. Great. You know, Marvel Universe, everything works out perfect. Not only are we enjoying the string quartet as the Titanic sinks, but we are buying tickets to the next day's performance. We're just so delusion delusional about what surrounds us. Right? We entertain ourselves so that we can escape reality. And the reality is that sin has. Ruined and laid waste and twisted and distorted everything. That is scripture's explanation for everything, for this world and all that is in it, right? You may prefer the explanation by philosophers. You may prefer the explanation by by, um, pundits, but the scriptures say that sin has distorted everything and that's where we have to start. Sin has distorted everything. And if you're not delusional, you actually know that that's the only explanation of this world that makes sense because you sin constantly and you know it. Can you imagine a worldview that starts with the goodness of, of man and all the good he's doing and then having to explain the 20th century? But God. But God, the one who created this world, knew what would happen and what he would do. He knew what would happen. He knew about this cataclysmic fall. Right before the creation of the world, before the fall, before any of the effects of sin could be manifested, the Father covenanted with the Son... To bring righteousness to this unrighteousness and to bring freedom into this captivity, to bring um, joy into all of this gloom, to bring glory into this infamy, right? And to bring light into this darkness before the foundation of the world. God the Father said to his Son, you're going to bring light into this black world. There is a kingdom that is not of this world, an eternal kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In that kingdom, there is no darkness. There is only light because the Son of God is there and He is the light. No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor the brightness will the moon give you light nor for brightness will the moon give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your glory. Your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and the days of your mourning will be over. That light, though prepared for at the foundation of the world, came into this world when the fullness of time came and the Son of God was born of a woman, born as a man. That's when that light broke into this darkness. Isaiah prophesied of this birth 700 years before it happened, before God made it happen. Isaiah 9 says this, but there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt, but later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them You shall multiply the nation, you shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as when men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. The rod of their oppressor is at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire. For a child... From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Then, when the fullness of time came, Jesus was born. The eternal Son of God was born of a woman, just as you and I were. The light of that eternal kingdom was breaking into this bleak, dark, sin-soaked world. The light of Christ had come. Salvation had come, rescue to those who are perishing, redemption from the bondage of, of sin, both uh, propitiation and forgiveness embodied in, in this God-man. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, lived in this same wicked world. He knew temptation. He suffered As we have suffered, he grieved at the sin that was around him. He alone in this world actually knew how bad everything was. If we can perceive it as bad, he, how much more infinitely so, can he see how far gone everything was, how far away living in this world is from living in what he had internally enjoyed, which was his father's presence. He wept. He felt compassion. The the world, those Jewish leaders during that time, wanted him dead. He was a recipient of the fallen world's hostility, and so great was his love that even when he's being pursued like some prey, he proclaims in the temple the eternally purposed plan of God to send him to remake the world and save proud sinners like us. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. There is light in this world, after all, dear brothers and sisters. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the sole source of light in the world. The gloom is vanishing of the increase of his government, there will be no end. An eternal dwelling place is being prepared, is being built by Jesus for your occupancy. And that world, that kingdom will not be like this one. It will not be laid waste and broken down and, and no protection and the, the walls fall in. It, it, will, be, it will be perfect it will be founded on righteousness it will be founded on love it will be founded on worship the citizens of that kingdom will not be double minded they will not ever have a time where they envy the wicked who will be who will be in their own way praising god by their continual destruction in hell it will be that kingdom will be It will not be like it is here, one moment longing for fellowship with God and then the next indulging the flesh in some sort of nasty sin you would never want to tell anybody about. There will be no double-mindedness. There will just be devotion and faithfulness. You will be unhindered in your worship. It's important to point out that there are some... Who are so enamored with this fallen world that though they are surrounded by darkness, they claim they only see light. Right? With such people, they see no necessity for a savior. It's a wonderful world, they say, and, and the thought that they need anything outside of themselves to save them is perplexing them at best or, or really enraging at, at the worst those who are deluded into the thinking that this world as it is now is, is pretty good and really is perfectible by human effort will never come to Christ. They will never come to Christ. It's very hard for an environmentalist to come to Christ. His hope is in this world. With God, all things are possible. But they have no, one who sees this world and, and just has the rose-colored glasses of their philosophy, coloring it, have no need, see no, desi- no need for Christ and therefore have no desire for Christ. Though they are blinded, they claim to see. That's the thing, they claim to see. Calvin writes, men will never present themselves to Christ to be illuminated until they have known both that the world is darkness and that they themselves are altogether blind. Let us therefore know that when the manner of obtaining this light is pointed out to us in Christ, we are all condemned for blindness and everything else which we consider to be light is compared to darkness and to a very dark night. A very dark night. You can't Know the glory of Jesus and his light without seeing the very dark night of this, of your own heart. You don't even have to look outside of yourself. The very darkness of your own heart. It is indeed a very dark night in this world. If it were without Christ, who is the singular light of the whole world. It would be complete darkness if it were not for that source of light. All is darkness apart from the Son of God who brought light into this world and will illuminate the new Jerusalem, right, for eternal ages. Jesus' birth in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago marked the bursting forth of that light into this world. Some believe that, some don't. Some take it, some leave it. Some think it's just sentimental stories of of deluded people. Some believe it. Some have had the Holy Spirit work in them, and they know that it's the truth. These are not just mythical stories that this is Jesus, God, man, come in the flesh. Those who are given eyes to see this light no longer walk in darkness. Think of that. Though the world is dark and the natural state of every man is blindness, those who have been born again are able to see his kingdom, right? They are able to see their own sins and repent. They are able to perceive the fallenness of their minds and set out with the Spirit to renew them. They are able to understand their dark desires and seek to put them to death. They are able to read the Word of God and learn God-breathed truth. Right? They are able to enter into God's nursery, the church, and pursue the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. They perceive how their eyes have been focused on the ground and are able to lift them, lift their heads and believe, looking up to God above. They are removed from... are removed, taken out of the darkness of their minds, their hearts, their desires, their unbelief, their narcissism, and walk in the light of Jesus Christ. Note that Jesus says it is only those who follow him who walk in that light. Very simple point. It's only those who follow him. It's only those who follow Christ, who become his disciples, who become his soldiers, who become his sheep, who walk in his light. Matthew Henry makes this point here. He says it is not enough to gaze upon and admire the light. We must follow it. You can just look on it and say, wow, that's a nice light. Jesus there's there's some nice light going on there. Right? And then walk away. No, it's like Jesus is the light and I will now follow him wherever he goes. Like the the Israelites in the wilderness, following him. Some may admire the word, right? They may really think that the word of God is is unlike any other book. Some some may admire the church and her worship, love the society of the church, love the 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 songs and the hymns and the the traditions, right? Some may admire cathedrals and the height of the ceilings and the, the, the glorious colors of the stained glass, right? Some, some may delight in the music, delight in, in the, uh, the warmth shown between Christians and the church, and they may not be following Christ. To follow Christ means to be committed to his teaching as the very core of all that you do. Right? You could faithfully attend worship every Sunday for 50 years and never be following Christ. It means to wake in the morning and commit your day to prayer, to him. It means to repent when you sin and to pursue holiness. Because why? Because he's holy and you want to be like him. Right, it means to have Jesus as Lord, the master, right, the authority in your life. Lord. Not even your own desires get to tell you what to do when you follow Christ. Christ gets to tell you what to do. And the glory of this verse is the promise that it contains, this verse in John 8. right? Those who commit themselves to Christ, who are drawn to Christ by the Father, even in the midst of darkness, will not go astray. That's the promise here, right? Darkness is all around us. Darkness is still in our hearts being worked out, right? But those who follow Christ, they will not stumble in the darkness because they walk in the light. Listen to these verses that speak to us about the transformation that has occurred when we, when we follow Christ and walk in the light. This, this metaphor of light and darkness, it's all through the New Testament, Okay. And listen to these. The night is almost, this is Romans 13, the night is almost gone. What a, what a, I mean, what a glorious statement that is. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of, what does it say next? The armor of what? Light. Light. The armor of light. Jesus is the light. Put on Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.6 Another, for God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Right? The light that lightens up the heart. Ephesians 5, for you formerly were darkness But now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5:5. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. First John 1 John 1.5, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his Son cleanses us from all sins. 1 John 2.8 8. On the other hand, I am, writing, I, am not, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. All that glorious light, that bursting in of the light of Christ, enlightens our hearts, enlightens our minds, enlightens the path before us, does all of this work of enlightening. And it was God's gift to us in this dark world. Ryle quotes a commentator who said, if a man could continually follow the sun, he would always be in broad daylight in every part of the globe. So it is with Christ and believers. Always following him, they will always have light. Very simple analogy there. So you who are in Christ have that light. Oh, there remains that struggle with your flesh, the flesh and the spirit waging war against, remember. But, but remember, there is no fight in those who walk in darkness. There is no fight. They love their bondage to sin and like to stay hidden in darkness. Those who follow Christ will walk in his light and, and possess something that is indescribable. To walk in the light of Christ is to have peace in the midst of darkness. Peace where you would expect it not to be, which is in darkness. Peace in the valley of the shadow of death, right? Peace. We possess peace even as the world revels in darkness, even as the fallen world is washed in blood, even as as everything breaks and disappoints, we walk in the light. The followers of Christ, the light of the world, has peace, right? What did the angels sing as the shepherds observed when, when Christ was born? He sang of this peace. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom God is pleased. Peace. Light has entered the world in the person of Jesus Christ. If, you're, if, if your heart... Um, Is your heart filled with the light of Christ this, this Christmas? Is it filled with the light of Christ? Or is it the darkness of the world that is, is still seems to be your constant companion? Listen to the words of my favorite hymn. I, I'm not going to get through this without crying. I know it. My favorite hymn is has this theme of darkness and light in it as well abide with me fast falls the even tide the darkness deepens Lord with me abide when other helpers fail and comforts flee help of the helpless oh abide with me swift to its close ebbs out life's little day earth's joys grow dim its glories pass away Change and decay in all around I see, O thou who changest not, abide with me. I fear no foe with thee at hand to bless. Ills have no weights and tears no bitterness. Where is death's sting? Where grave thy victory? I triumph still if thou abide with me. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life and death, O Lord, abide with me. Christ's light shines through the gloom. Are you walking in the light? Come to Christ and bask in his light. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came as light into this gloomy, dark, destructive, violent, blood-soaked world. And in this blood-soaked world, he shed his own blood. And he, where that blood has been shed, Father, there is purification. Lord, we are grateful for Jesus Christ. Father, we feel sometimes so, so weighed down with the darkness, so in love and in league with our own sins. So, so depressed, so weighed. But Father, we have and know that Jesus Christ, your Son, is the light. And that light chases out all the darkness of our hearts, of this world. And Father, of the increase of Jesus government, there will be no ends. And so we we have every hope that there will one day be no darkness, no gloom, no pain, no difficulty, no inhibition, no distraction. But all will be lights, and all will be us just like cats lying in a pool of sunshine. We will be basking in your light. Oh, Father, I pray that, that light would break through more and more, that we would see the nations turning to you. Father, that we would see our friends and our family members turning to you. I, I pray that we would see those we've prayed for for so many, so many days, walk in the light, step out of the darkness. And Father, we pray that, that we would ever be joyful, even in the midst of, of great trial, great difficulty, great weight of your hand upon us, and pray that we would never, never be without light that we would see Jesus, that we would look to him, that we would feed on his word, that we would read his word knowing that it was written to us, each of us individually. The love of Christ being told to us by our great Father. And so, Father, we thank you that Jesus humbled himself that he was humiliated in this life, that he, more than anybody, knew the ravages of sin because he became sin itself. He became all darkness. He, he, became, he, he became every evil thing. And so, Father, he, he knows the weight that we labor under. And so we ask that you would lift our heads, that you would strengthen our weak, weak legs. And Father, that we would rejoice that light has come into this world. That this would be the theme of our song, the theme of our speech. Father, as we go about this Christmas season, pray that we would have joy deep within our hearts. Especially, may it be a thorough contrast with the darkness of this world. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.